Hey, would you classify yourself as flexible? Like mobile, bendable, movable, gummy-like? More than likely, you don't. And there's a lot of ways to achieve that. Some are fun, some are boring. Some, you don't even know that you're doing it. But let me tell you this right now. You are practicing flexibility right now. Oh yes, you in the car. You walking down the street. You want a bike path on your bike. Yes, you are practicing flexibility. So congratulations, give yourself a high five because you are doing something about your current flexibility state. Do you do it dynamically? Do you do it statically? Well, that kind of seems to be the argument. It has to be this or that. And one is better than the other. And I think I need to be more flexible, but uh, I don't know if I really have time to do that. I got to go break a sweat. I got to go burn some calories. That's kind of the conversation that happens in our head over and over and over again. What should I do? Can I do it? Do I have enough time to do it? What do I even do? Well, CJ and I are going to jump into this topic of flexibility, unpack the dynamic, the static, the body positioning, and why don't we have this notion that we are all flexible in a sense. Well, what I mean by you being flexible is that no matter what position you're in, your body is undergoing tension and tissue lengthening that is resulting in a progression of more of what you're currently doing. So we're going to dive into this. We're going to unpack it. We'll have some fun with it. And hopefully you learn a lot about flexibility and how easy it is to do and more appropriately, how you can do it to give yourself the sense of what flexibility actually is and how amazing it is to have it. Cheers. Welcome to the Gymnazo Podcast, where you get to peek behind the curtains of what it takes to create and run a seven-figure fitness facility that ranks in the top 5% of boutique fitness studios for revenue. But to be honest, that's the least important thing about us. Founded by me, Michael Hughes, Gymnazo has created an ecosystem of services that blend performance with restoration techniques and attracts top coaches to its facility. Hosted by its owners, Peyton and myself, and our top coaches. This podcast shares our best practices on everything from how to build a sustainable fitness business to how to program for maximum results to how to build a hybrid training module that's online and in person. We have marketing secrets, movement innovation, and breaking down trends in the industry. If you're a fitness professional or a fitness business owner, this is where you learn how to sharpen your skills and to see maximum results. Hi, CJ. So the way that I think about this, because we're talking about all about flexibility, mobility, is there's like three sides to this kind of puzzle in a sense. Strength, cardio, and then like movability, flexibility. And that's kind of the boiled down to the basics of human movement. And we're all about, I mean, we're all about all of them. But really, if I had an opinion about one, or like the, the one that's the most underutilized, underappreciated, and in general fitness athletic sense, it's the flexibility piece. What do you think about that? I mean, it depends on what you define as flexibility. Um, if we're talking strictly physicality's sake, it's the ability for your joints to go through ranges of motion. And it's kind of like overlooked, I think, because it's something that everybody knows to do and should care about. Because if we can't move our joints, we literally cannot move. Um, 
but I think it's the most mis- misunderstood. And so it's not addressed thoroughly. Um, I mean, flexibility to me is it's strength through ranges of motion. So like, I mean, there's people that are super bendy out there that maybe doing a lot of yoga or some kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Contortionist type stuff where yeah. you just get your body into weird positions. And um, I think that's one way to look at flexibility is just to be able to access that range of motion. Um, but really in like the fitness field, active range of motion is most important. And people focus on like, well, it's strength or flexibility, where I think what we look at it is mobility is strength and strength is mobility, but you've got you've got to have the two married. You've got to address both all the time. Yeah, it's not two ends of the spectrum. It's they're combined. It's together. Yeah, or even two different spectrums. Like there's yeah, a spectrum they, of yeah, flexibility, like, right. like not flexible and flexible. Right. And strength is not strong and strong. That's super basic to look at it. But if we're going to look at how do we view strength and how do we view flexibility, those two spectrums have to go together. Mm. And as your strength increases, you should also be trying to increase your flexibility or your ability to access range of motion and then strengthen that. And then now that you're strong there and that range of motion in this direction or that transformational zone, go back to your flexibility, see where you can continue to make gains. And maybe you don't need to keep making gains in a certain area once you've accessed a functional range. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a lot of focus on flexibility actually in fitness, but it's like you have to take every single joint in your body through all of its ranges of motions in all planes of motion, where it's like, that's a good way to assess and look at overall flexibility and mobility, but it's dependent on the individual too. Somebody might need to be able to go down into a split position and somebody else might not even need to access that ever, but they still need to be able to access a wide foot position while they're standing or while they're seated. So I'm kind of questioning the function of the individual and then where is their functional range of strength and their functional range of mobility. Because yeah, I always say that when you, when you focus on strength training, you're definitely now focusing on l- losing flexibility. Because the stronger you get, the muscles regrow, fibers reattach, but they grow and retight and they reattach tighter. Soreness, right? You're, you don't move as well. Then you have to kind of break through that soreness to re. Um, to acquire that range of motion through that strength. It doesn't happen at the same, same time. At least I would like to think it does. I'd like to think you could build strength and flexibility at the exact same time. But what I find myself doing is I'll get sore after heavy strength workout and then have to work to establish that range of motion from that strength workout, essentially recovering from soreness. That's super so, interesting because I think there's, depending on the workout that you did and your intentions that you're setting, um, you could be potentially working on expanding your ranges in your workout with submaximal loads mm-hmm. and still gaining strength. Just you may not be going as heavy and as traditional as conventional lifting if you're also working on ranges of motion. Right, because um, I can still get sore by focusing on flexibility only. Like yeah. I said, like a submaximal load, but in a spiral or an end range of motion diagonal, especially diagonals because you really pull the two ends apart like when people come out of like oh i just did stretching i'm super sore well, the body doesn't care soreness doesn't doesn't have a preference soreness is about newness in a sense so it's fascinating like i'm actually in a run when i'm talking about a, a flexibility session it's a dynamic flexibility session where there's that that elastic recoil component 
coming coming into it. Focusing on the loading and the exploding exactly. as opposed to like a machine-based training, which is you might be in a loaded position, but your body isn't – first of all, it's not required to use other parts. Like you might be sitting at a machine. You might be laying down on something. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of – you're closing the chain in a sense. So you're working in a specific range at a specific portion of your body. But when you start going into those active ranges without the, the machines, like what is it – Where's your focus? Is it on like going into the deepest range? Is it going on to a full load, like full end range load and then exploding out? Mm-hmm. Like say that you just want to go into a, a, a forward lunge. Well, are you working on the push off from that forward lunge, just that explosion? Or are you working on pulling yourself deeper into that forward lunge and then letting yourself get some time under tension to expose yourself to a new range under time? That when you push back, your body now has gained more awareness in a range of motion for that specific activity, mm. like a forward lunge, that now you're going to have a better explode. You're going to have more power coming out of it. Potentially more soreness, potentially more discomfort, but you might be getting more birds with one stone. Mm-hmm. So that's, Now let's measure that hamstring load, right, to what you and I did, at least I definitely did in college, which is to sit and reach back against a wall this metal box with a sliding little tab on it. Let's talk about that. Let's dive in, into that. And let's say, and let's, let, let's be honest. Let's, let, let's do, let, let's pro and con it. I'm a, I'm a self-classified immobile individual at that age. Like just, <laughs> you want me to touch my toes? I'm pretty sure I could like, I could bend my knees and get away with it. But I knew I was feeling like myself cheating based off what the test is. Right. Is doing there's a standing version and there's the seating version where you try to move a little dial right. forward. Which literally always I failed. <laughs> I failed. Was there a failure in it? Uh, well yes. Like, there's a certain like the level class, you had to be at. The class you failed. Yeah, there was a failure. There's like an American standard mm-hmm. you know, level. And I would just be all thoracic spine. Just all <laughs> tuck my chin and push in. Yeah, what was that assessing? Well, I mean, by the terms of it, hamstring flexibility, but it's really assessing just posterior chain, right? <laughs> posterior chain while you're sitting while the posterior chain's not active. Yeah, well, That's yeah. very little activity. Yes, yes. In fact, you're more active in your anterior chain pulling yourself into that totally. motion. Totally, mm-hmm. totally. And I just feel it behind my knees and through my low back. Not, not in a bad way, but you know. I know, I'd always be the one pushing too hard. Like, I know I'm not mobile enough, so I'm like, oh, squeeze, and like breaking up like a blood vessel in your eye. <laughs> I get there, you like pass, but like, man, that was not comfortable. And I mean, there was definitely more kids that were more immobile than I was. I was a pretty active kid, I can move, but for the people yeah. who weren't moving very much, it was like, well, if you didn't have something in the way, bending over, it was just your lack of being right. able to access a range. Well, I always appreciated youth athletics. You work out hard, you know, you play, you do a sport, and then you go sit in a desk for six hours. And then you go play monkey bar, tag, basketball, sit down for another hour. And then you, okay, let's go do the sit reach test. Hmm. I don't know. It's too- some, some confounding results, <laughs> I think, in there. Seems <laughs> like a recipe for failure on most things. Yeah, I bet if I would have done a few squats, a few posterior lunges, maybe a few thoracic spine swings and three planes of motion, I would have no blown. Question. They'd be like, wow, you must stretch often. No, I just warmed up. I right. primed myself. Right. So kind of going back to you, you would do dynamic motion. So again, obviously we're all we're talking about dynamic versus static, you know, 
Because I remember even in, in high school when for track practice, we had to run two laps, jog lazily, then go do static stretching for a good 20 minutes. Like holding positions. Literally, say, you know, think about the hurdler stretch. Think about the butterfly stretch. Think about laying on, on the ground, leg crossover stretch, um, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. Um, push-up position calf stretch. Just hold. They're just hanging out there, 20 seconds each side. And that was it. I still look pretty good in track and field, by the, by the, by the way. But it's just, it's just interesting. Like when we talk about training, you know, sit and reach tests, training, static stretching, um, going through how we actually operate in real life, how we work out, how we get sore from strength, how we get sore from cardio, how we get sore from even flexibility work. And we put it out all together. It's like, is how, is how it all comes together. Are we really doing a better job with dynamic stretching or really doing a better job with static stretching? Is there a place for both? Because I believe there is. I think we actually do a hybrid significantly well here. Mm-hmm. And I remember doing kinesiology labs where we would do, actually, no, I didn't do that. You guys did that. Did you do a kinesiology lab where you do static stretching, do a vertical jump, mm-hmm. and do dynamic stretching? Yeah, and what was the result you, of that? Dynamic stretching was by far, which was like basically just like a warm up. Like you just get some light balancing in there. Maybe mm-hmm. it's more focused on bringing the heart rate up and working in multiple planes of motion that weren't like hit every single plane in every single joint. It was like warm up for what you're going to go do. So maybe like some hurdles, like running over hurdles real quick or doing some like quick bounces at the feet, like split stance or mm-hmm. doing some jump rope, doing some arm swings. Um, and so we had part of our class do that dynamic side and then basically uh, assess a vertical jump, do the warm up, do a vertical jump. And then it was the other side was do a vertical jump, do static stretching, do a jump. So we had two different groups. Mm-hmm. And by far, the dynamic stretching led to better results in the vertical jump. Um, small sample size, obviously, and it's just a class, fun right. little lab. But it was obvious the way you felt, at least in the vertical jump. Like if I was going to go go play some basketball or I wanted to go jump on something, up on a rock, boulder, or whatever, jump down, I'm going to go do some dynamic stretching. I'm not going to sit there, hold my toes in a seated position and stretch my calves and hammies. Though there is a place for it and I really love doing that, I would much rather prefer the dynamic. And I think any athlete would agree with that. It's just, it's priming the mind. It's priming your your mental state and your physical state. Proprioception. Uh, Proprioception, yeah. Um, And then static stretching, it, it brought up more rest and digest within myself. Like I was relaxed after doing the static stretching. Where dynamic, it kind of got me pumped up. Mm. So I think... Where there's a split is like, well, what's the reason you're doing it? There's no wrong way. There's not necessarily a better way depending on what the context is of why you're doing it. I mean, I remember my mom every morning would be stretching for 30 minutes. Hmm. Every morning. And there was some days she wouldn't do it. Another day she would do it. And when she did do it, she'd feel good the whole day. No back pain. No complaints. But like, oh, I need to stretch. You know, like, know that feeling that your body's just kind of compressing and holding it on itself, dealing yep. with the effects of gravity, ground reaction force, your mass momentum just kind of coming down to center. Um, I valued static stretching because I watched my mom do it. And there was always some kind of combination of both, but it wasn't until diving deeper into what flexibility, what mobility really is and what, what creates a more mobile body, what creates more range of motion and it wasn't necessarily more stretching it was like 
it's biology, yes. It's the physics, yes. Of like, what's your positioning in relation to gravity? Because um, you'll have maybe more access while you're hanging on something versus laying down on something. Mm-hmm. So like traction. And then also like psychology, like your emotional body has everything to do with flexibility. And most people, I think, hold on to what their body knows or holds on to maybe stresses or thoughts and it prevents them from opening up. Like most people are braced throughout their day. And so if you ask somebody to do a sit and reach test while they're stressed out versus somebody who does a sit and reach test while they're relaxed, mm. two very different results. Not a question. I think that goes on to even more so into into performance training. Mm-hmm. It's not about just stretching. It's about where's your head while you're stretching? Mm-hmm. What are you doing and why are you doing it? So when I found you know, dynamic stretching, truly studied it, got into it, you know, just what I mean by dynamic stretching is active range of motion with the intent of pulling tissue apart, right? Because I, I like to put, I like to d- d- define things relatively speaking, right? Because it was like, what are, you, what are you talking about when you say dynamic stretching? Because it could be so broad. Like the word functional training. It's like, oh man, like what are you really talking about? So dynamic stretching with the intent of flexibility, with the intent of mobility, with the intent of opening up in a kind of a more relaxed environment, restoration-based, is, and this is kind of, wow, now there's two levels. One is getting into a static position. So let's say we're doing... Um, we'll just use the hamstring stretch over and over again because it's simple, at least for, for me. You go into a static position, but then I drive or dynamically move through the other two ranges of motion. So the hamstring gets essentially lengthened in flexion of the, of the, of the hip. We'll just focus on the hip for now. But then I can also lean left, lean right, spin right, spin left. And that's actually dynamically moving through a static position. And when I did that, I always called myself a non-flexible person. Like I was that kid, like I, my legs are too long for my upper body. In fact, it's just the opposite, but I'm a typical male. Long story short, it's like, ah, I can't touch, touch my toes. I started doing that. It was amazing, the transformation. No foam rolling, no soft tissue work, just holding its dominant stretch position and then progressively moving dynamically through the other two ranges of motion. So sagittal plane hold, anterior hold for, for the hamstring stretch, and then drive you the pelvis, hands, whatever, foot, left, right, spin, spin. And it really is amazing. Like I'd never even thought that you could stretch in multiple planes of motion or combine them. It was one or the other. And it was all this, this concept like, oh, don't do, don't bounce because you're gonna tear something. Which I still agree with, bouncing is a relative term, right? Don't shove it against, you know, don't try to rip a muscle open, but... Push yourself into the stretch. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. <sighs> yeah. If you're working really hard while you're stretching, question, why are you working yeah. hard? Are you forcing yourself to do something or are you intentionally creating some kind of discomfort? Yeah. So is the kind of all that kind of education coming together being like, well, wait a minute, like what's more appropriate? What's more realistic? And I really found that dynamic stretching to be this unlocking of potential. But... I went so far in the deep end on the dynamic, I forgot what the benefits of the static are. And it's the mental, it's that, it's that ability to be like, let it open up and let it go. And let the body, let gravity, let physics do its job because you're only gonna have more access when you go back to dynamic. And some people just need to chill out 
<laughs> just chill out. Easier said than done. No I, doubt. <laughs> right. You know, but like, it's that whole fact. It's like, oh, I, like, I don't stretch. It's like, sometimes you just need to just lay there and let me just, you know, let me get you on the table and get it soft and cushy for you. Let me draw that heel up, which I don't believe that's a great way to stretch at all. It is a way to stretch. It's not, a, I don't believe it's a great way to stretch and that's okay. I gotta ask, just for the sake of like your your stretching, like how how much do you value it in the sense of your own practice? Like when you're moving throughout the days, like ah, you know, like every four or five weeks, I notice I get really stiff and I go stretch for a long time. Or is it every day I put in five minutes, ten minutes? Like you personally, because I think everybody's different. Everybody's got their own functional Fair range. Fair question. I put in stretching consciously every day, on purpose, and. On weekends, I struggle the most because I'm out of my routine. Mm. And I'll go about 11 o'clock and be like, man, I'm just like, just don't have that get up on my step. That could be the Baileys in my coffee that I, that I just had. But, you know, typically, you know, that's a weekend routine too. But, you know, it's really just that, it's that like, I just don't do it. So then I'll go through a dynamic stretch routine. You know it very, very well. And I'm like, oh, it's just, it's like a shot of life. And I'll do that experience definitely once per day and it takes about five five minutes if i don't do that then i don't i i i'm hyperly aware of how tight i am hyperly aware but i'm not a yoga person i'd i'd rather just literally walk across the floor and just reach my arms into a pattern to a pattern to about do about 10 or so time. i'd rather do that going up from a desk to the bathroom on a work day like that, then do an hour of focus. Hmm. So that's, that'll be my practice. So, I mean, you're aware of it. I mean, you're a, you're a movement, you're a movement guy and like you're, you're aware of like, Oh, I can just go position my leg up here and put it up on a chair. If I put my hand here and my other hand here and it's a type one reach and now I've got a triplane load in my hip. Like oh, there's a lot of those yeah. things that you can, you can target the area that needs to be mobilized much faster than I'd say an everyday person who doesn't focus they know what their body feels like, but they may not know all the geometry of if we flex the hip and we rotate the spine and then grab and we're in a type one or what we call a rotation one way, lean the opposite way in the spine and we grab and then we're able to facilitate tension, we can pretty much feel whatever we want to feel in our body. Like, Make oh man, happen. my calf feels tight. Okay, I should probably stretch my foot and my hamstring. Like, I think the general population is like, oh, my calf hurts. Stretch my calf. Stretch my calf, right. but then one stretch and one plane in a static position totally. that relieves it in the position. But as soon as you get up, there's no relief. Right. I'm wondering how 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 is it that we can create of core value in our mm-hmm. culture, whether it be the movement culture, whether it be just humans in general, that says, "Yo, it's okay wherever you are. Go hit a stretch real quick." Yeah. And you learn that through grade school or you learn that through high school, whatever it is, or you, you take on a master class that says, teach me about my mobility, but it doesn't just force you to hold stretches. It puts you in positions and angles that facilitates a sensation in your body that you're like, how could I ever forget this? This was so wonderful. That's what it is. You know, like yeah. what, what is it that, and I'll answer from my end too, um, what is it that prevents people from just going in and going into a stretch? You're sitting at the grocery store and you notice your low back is feeling a bit stiff and you just think, okay, my back's stiff versus a you or I might jump out there and go like, all right, go wide stance, a little shift my hip, oh, a little pop, shift. Okay, that's a little bit better. That'll right. take me through. I probably should spend more time. 
I, I think it's a, it's a fear of not knowing what you're doing or if somebody asks you what you're doing, you don't have an answer. When the answer is strictly, I felt like doing it. Yeah. You know, felt good. I'm yeah. e- eager to talk right now. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> so you look at the animal kingdom. They stretch. Like they kind of all, all four-legged animals pretty much have the same basic stretch. You see a dog, you see a cat do it, right? It's inherent. It's they also have their own. A dog does a down dog while a cat does a cat. Like the a cat lifts, down. lifts a leg, <laughs> kicks it back, right? Right, Keep exactly, going. yeah. But like it's in it's instinctual in a sense. I think humans it's instinctual too. We're just, we're breeding out the instinct, you know. Because you Cause get you up, look ridiculous. Yeah. Well, like you get up in the morning. Like, how many times have you got up in the morning and you just do that like unconscious hand reach? You're just like I mean, you're totally coiling, right? But it's like ah, <laughs> oh, like you just feel those like little kind of snap crackle pops in your body. It's like it's euphoric. It's like a the you know the, the start of a yawn. Yeah, like, I'm gonna exactly. hit this yawn and you let it out. Like, oh, right, so good. So our body does that, right? And I I don't experience that often anymore. But when you do, it's like oh, it's just the best. You know, you get out of a long car ride. So that's the body's instinct fighting back in my mind. But why we don't do it at the grocery store is because it's awkward. It looks weird. It feels weird. So I'm trying to train my next generation, my genetics, to influence the world, to say, my kids, by by the way, sorry, you know, to say, like, it's as normal as brushing your teeth. And I find myself saying, all right, Kennedy, who's my daughter, let's brush your teeth. Now let's go stretch. And we do, like, just three stretches. And the coolest part is she's in gymnastics, not gymnastics, more like running around the gymnastics gym. She'll come back and say, Dad, can I show you some stretches? And I was like, yes, she's now the teacher. And she was, oh, she showed me some stretches. And they weren't stretches, but they were movements, which is technically a stretch, right? Movement right. is stretching. Stretching is moving. And I was so like, yes. Like, it's not built in, right? She's not there yet at all. But to be, it's just commonplace. So hmm. I try to model it as much as possible. Like, a shopping cart is a phenomenal stretching tool. And in Costco, when I'm waiting in line... I'm kicking that heel up, man. Yeah. I'm using that angle. Those Costco carts are tall, too, so I get a nice extension in there. Like, I'm sure I'm pretty short. So yeah. I get like a forward lunge. But the thing oh. is, we know what we're doing. Right. Like, geometrically, we know what we're doing. And there's a point to it. There's a reason to it. And I think that's probably the biggest thing is that people just don't want to assume weird. But they don't assume weird when they know what they're doing. And I think that can be taught. What, what, what leads to inflexibility or immobility? Oh, I, Think about somebody who comes in and says, like, I'm not flexible. I can't touch my toes. Like, yeah. hold on. First of all, can't touch my toes. That's not a good gauge of mobility or flexibility. <laughs> but that's the standard. But that's what yeah. people know. That's right? people know, right. Uh, it's the, kind of what's the opposite of light, you know, dark. Just static. It doesn't matter what it is. Like you can be in a, uh, a warrior one pose, and that's your workstation. You're going to be super unflexible. You won't be unflexible in that position, mm-hmm. but you're super unflexible in every other position. So a lot of desk sitters, right, when we do our movement assessment, and they crush the posterior chain. They're massive pain, but they crush the posterior chain. I'm like, yeah, you're putting yourself in the position you're all, all, always in. Hip flexion, thoracic spine flexion, you got cervical it. spine flexion. Yep. Or, in the worst case, excessive cervical spine extension with everything exactly. else flexing, and now right. you're like, Because they're still looking stuck. at you. Right. Yep. Right. And they cut no, no pain in that one. And I'm always literally saying to myself, that makes sense. They're like, yeah, this wasn't hurt at all. That's weird. I'm like, 
Am I, you know, that's not weird at all. You are in the position you're in all the time. So what leads to, to immobility is flexibility is being in a position static, statically. Just static. Like we say, oh, a standing desk is so great. No, it's not. In fact, you might even slumped over more. Yeah. You know, standing desk is great because you're not sitting. But the shoulders don't change. The neck doesn't change. The thoracic spine doesn't change, relatively speaking. The hips do. But if you're standing for so long, that's just as bad. The enemy is stillness in anything. Hmm. Maybe not laying down, right? I think that's probably the safest place to be still. Obviously, we sleep there. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'm going to argue this point. Go for it. It's an inactive stillness. It's an unconscious stillness. Ooh, yes. You're not arguing with me. You're yeah. just making it better. I like that. Yeah. One more thorough point. Yeah, I, I think, totally get you. Yeah. Because, I mean, you could, sit, you could be sitting here right now and right. be focused on your work and fantastic. You're getting shit done. You're in the zone. What tends to be an issue is that you're so in the zone and so focused on your work and then there's no counterbalance to it. Mm-hmm. You've been sitting, let's say, you've been, let's just go 30 minutes sitting at a desk, hunched over. And this happens to me too. I'm young. I still get discomfort, but I do stuff about it. I don't just complain about it. Right. I hear my complaint and then I do something about it. Sitting at your desk, you're typing on the computer, you're like looking at the screen, everything's really close to you. And it's 30 minutes later and you're like, oh, I gotta use the bathroom. When you go to sit up, that first movement your body like sends a signal. Typically, it's a little bit of nociception. Your body's been still, it's been stagnant, it's been focused not on your positioning, but on what you're doing. That then you go get up and you're like, oh, my low back kind of feels stiff or my neck feels stiff, my shoulders kind of feel knotted up. And we tend to move the area that feels really stiff. Like we're like, oh, low back. I feel like I need to hang more. Like the number one thing, when you got lower back discomfort from sitting down, people don't extend they bend over and hang their arms on the ground. Mm-hmm. Just like, oh, decompressing the spine, but pulling you further into flexion. It's right. an unconscious reaction that's not bad to go that way, but you also have to go the opposite, but you have to do it slowly. Right. Be, gently with, be gentle with your body saying, okay, I just spent an extended period of time in a position that now you get up and go, okay, my front hip was compromised. My front chest was compromised and my head was sitting in a lot of extension as I was falling forward. I wonder if I pull my chin in, lift my chest up, stand up and then stretch my front hip a bit. That in that 30 seconds, it completely undid what you just did for 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. I think the problem lies in stand up. Okay, five minutes later. Okay, now I'm kind of warmed up. I walked around a little bit, sit back down. And then we fall right back into that flexion, right back into that flexion. It doesn't happen over months usually. It's happening over years. Mm-hmm. Think about students who are in grade school um, sitting at a desk for long periods of time. And then, like you said, going into recess and then sitting back down and then carrying heavy books and getting this kyphotic state. But their body is very malleable. So they're not necessarily experiencing a ton of pains. It could be growing pains, could be compressions, whatever else, just figuring out how to use their body. But now as they get into college and beyond... They, they were not taught anything on how to counter mm-hmm. the effects of gravity. Work with gravity, not against it. You know, we can learn to hate gravity because we're sitting down and then we stand up and we're like, oh, I don't even want to stand up. It just feels stiff. Or we can now use gravity to facilitate the opposite effect, which if you got stuck in extension for too long, you're also going to be in pain. Right. There's no difference. Like, I think we can talk about posture in this sense too. Like, mm-hmm. There's no bad posture except for the one that you're stuck in. Right. The sure. best posture is your next one. Is the ability to move yeah. in and out of it. Yeah, and you made a point about, like, to me I was saying about just inactivity is the, is the issue. But, and I like where you took it. I'm going to spend just a little bit. 
is that like sit in your chair for 12 hours, crank away on a spreadsheet, build some code for a sweet app. I don't care. But when you're doing it, don't stay still just moving your digits. Rotate your shoulders to the left, rotate your shoulders to the right. Laterally flex one way, laterally flex the other way. I do this in airplanes a lot. Because sometimes you just can't get up, you know, without disturbing the person next to you. Sleep too much work, yeah. It's yeah. way more awkward on an airplane. Yeah. Well, I'm that guy in the <laughs> yeah, back. You are. But, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, but what I can't change is my, pel- my, is my hip position inflection. But I can change it in abduction, adduction. Mm-hmm. I can change it in internal, external rotation by pointing my toe in, pointing my toe out. So, like, I would rather be locked in one position, one plane of motion, excuse me, versus all three. Hmm. And like for me, like I can't sit in the car for more than more than two and a half hours without getting lower back pain. Not massive, just I feel it. You know, I can, I can sit on a tennis ball in the hamstring. You know, da da da. That gives me about another half hour tops. It's just the way my body is. I mean, excuse me. There is a reason for that. You know, that's not that's not an excuse. There's a reason for that. Um, but the more you can stay. I like how we've been taught a few different ways, different words, stay, you know, soft tissue hydration. And I really love the sponge concept. You let a sponge sit still in, a, in, a, in an open air environment, there's one thing that's definitely gonna happen. It's gonna get hard, crusty, and immobile. Just come back from a week of vacation, you see that sponge. Not a very good sponge you wanna use. You just, but think about that as your connective tissue, your fascia, your soft, your muscle, whatever the case is. Then you just think about a sponge right after you end up using it, right? Oh, pliable. You can twist it, turn it, knead it, put it into a knot. It's going to bounce back. But then you leave a sponge sitting in water, overhydrated, stagnant, right? It's a cesspool now. So it's like one edge section is a cesspool. Other edge section is a dried, crazy piece of foam. And then the middle is that nicely fresh, just used sponge after the uh, night at the dishes, right? You're telling me that a sponge is <laughs> yes, like my muscles. Pretty much, yeah. So you'd want, you'd want to keep – you'd want to have that sponge in use to have yeah. it be the best sponge possible. You don't want it to sit in dryness. You don't want it to sit in wetness. You want it to be squeezed out, filled up, squeezed yep. out, filled up, constantly filtered and cleaned. Which is to me hydrated. dynamic movement. Mm-hmm. Contractions in yep. length. Yep. Yeah. Eccentric, concentric tensions. Right. As much as possible. And to me, that is the best win, right? There's no perfect. There's no perfect. Because no body is perfect. Well, maybe like up to, you know, one month old, you're darn, you're perfect. You got everything you got. Hmm. I'm still looking. I'm, I'm watching my four-year-old and see how much flexibility she has versus my one-and-a-half-year-old. And it's amazing how much my one-and-a-half-year-old still does the full squat to hang out and play with toys. Hmm. Where my four-year-old, it's very, it's less, much more infrequent, but she still has access to it. So it's like, I look at modeling, you know, eventually our, our Western, you know, United States, we don't do that. We don't do that full. Unconscious preferred patterns based off of yeah. mirror, mirror imaging. Like right. think about how often you and Peyton get down in that deep squat. Right. Well, you do it's it more, hard. they'll do it more. Right. So we do, but we lift our heels mm-hmm. and we shove our knees forward. Mm-hmm. It's still a deep squat without a question, but you're in plantar flexion versus dorsiflexion, which changes the ball game. Right. What's lengthening. Yeah. Right. And that may then lead to dysfunction if you were to, I, I think actually, if you were to maintain that position, you would go more and more towards 
resilience and function because your body's exposed to those loads and it's like being in a static position over time Mm -hmm. it just happens at a slower pace versus like all right let's say you did that deep squat heels up knees are forward and you just did it like maybe on a weekend when you're gardening and your knees and ankles really hurt or knees and low back hurt but if you were to access that position throughout the week more often wondering if that ankle knee pain would disappear because your body finds a better leverage Mm. from exposure to those positions well, here's an interesting story, kind of on the, on the flip of that, but the same story, the same concept. Like, I was like, you know, I'm going to start doing deeper squats. Just hold it as I'm coaching. And I did it for like a good week. Fine. I got it. I, you know, it's kind of like, I, I still got this. No big deal. But I didn't have it because I was compensating through my lumbar spine. My pelvis couldn't get there, but it could get there if my pelvis flexed forward. So now I'm gapping the posterior, you know, so while I was listening. You know, uh, the back of my spine was being pulled on, basically, overstretched for, I don't say hours on end, but like th- 10 minutes here, 20 minutes there, 10 minutes here, you know? And I feel this nasty burn in my body just to try to hold it. My anterior tips were the worst for some reason. You know, they're pulling me. Anyways, so I go uh, wakeboarding that weekend. Hmm. My, oh, my mess my back up. In a sense, in the sense of a 30-something-year-old throwing out, the, out their back, that's how I throw my back. And I was like, what? happened like why and it took me a few days to trace back crimes crime scene this thing (laughs) and the only thing that i changed that week was that deep squat and in my subconscious like i still got this but that's super interesting it brings me to a point of um position versus tension informing position and i think a lot of like static stretches or yoga postures and, and things you'll do just that are, are designed to mobilize tissue uh, more statically. Um, there's very little talk about how tension is applied in those positions because like you said, you can do a deep squat and get away with it. However, how are you doing it? And it's tough to assess yourself because you're in your body and you're feeling like I'm in a deep squat. But from the outside, you might find like you know, if, if a, somebody cued you to say, hey, can you drive your right knee forward, left knee forward mm-hmm. in that deep squat? Hey, can you reach your hand here and here? Starting to expose the limitations on like, well, where is that compensation? Are you in a deep squat with active tension at your posterior core? Like huge. Yeah. No, what do you mean by active tension just for those? Um, let's say you're in a, let's say you're in a deep squat and you are just slumped in it. Like you're letting the weight of gravity pull you and you're just hanging out in the squat. Like hanging on your joints, I like to say. Versus yeah. you're in a squat, pushing your arches into the ground, feeling how your toes are gripping or relaxed in that position. And you notice your shoulder blades being pulled down and back or forward and up or to a certain direction. Got it. Um, and maybe you feel that your knees are rotating outward or your knees are rotating inward. Perfect, okay. So you're aware of the in-between each joint. How are the tissues holding you? I have a lot of people who go into a deep squat and their shins burn so badly. What does that say about their body? Well, to an everyday person, it's like my shin, I got shin splints. Like my shins are really achy, they're hurting. Well, to us, we know like, okay, that muscle's active in a deep squat. Why is that muscle so active in a deep squat? It may be because there's a lack of mobility in the calf, in the soleus area, like the base of the calf. And so we don't feel the soleus because that's just holding on. But now your anterior tip muscle is pulling 
on the tip and it's burning because it's playing tug of war against the soleus muscle that doesn't want to stay loaded or lengthened. It's shortened. And so now either your heels get pulled up or your feet go flat and your shin muscles pull your knee towards your toe or toe towards your knee, regardless. Mm-hmm. Uh, regardless, it's muscle effort that are you intending to do that or are you uh, not? And if you're putting a ton of effort into a position unintentionally, it's telling you there's probably something subconscious that's not lengthening or you're just unaware of. Yeah. Um, and then you have to progress into it, right? You could just go work into a deep squat and be like, I'm good. But then if you get out of that deep squat, you're like, I don't feel very good. There's something not working functionally yeah. there. There's a broken link in the chain. So I think we need to, as coaches, talk more about tension and what the feel is in a position that's not just length, but how is your body holding this position? Like, what subconsciously is going on? Are you gripping the ground while you're stretching in your inner thigh? Well, are you trying to do that? There might be a time where you want to do it. But if you're trying to gain more range, you might need to relax those flexor, flexor right. muscles that are reacting to a position that it's fearful of. Teach those tissues to relax. And it's not by saying, hey, relax body, which we, we fall into as coaches. It's like, hey, remind your body to relax. It's like, well, what are the mechanisms that cause your body to relax? What are the non-specific things you can do? Like breathing, focusing on your thoughts, mm-hmm. feeling your feet on the ground. And now all of a sudden you just focused on breathing, your thoughts and your feet on the ground and your body relaxed. Right. You never told your body to relax. You just focus on the things that allows your body to relax. That's go into a range. That's the trick, everybody. <laughs> Breathe and think. <laughs> but, oh man, you're on a point. Um, it's that, oh, I lost it for a second, but it's, it's on that point of you said like, you know, it's, it's not a sub, it's not a conscious action, it's a subconscious action. And you talk about going into lengthening. So releasing a spot to get a bigger range. And um, I was just at, in a session where I was talking about, okay, you know, we're going to really focus on a lateral lunge, you know, back to a single leg balance. So right leg lateral lunge, back to left leg single leg balance. And the first two rounds, we're like, all right, let's get a deep lunge. Let's actually lean into that inside thigh that's not lunging. It's the opposite side of the leg. And really allow that range of motion to progress ourselves. It's basically like pulling a bow back and practicing pulling a bow back and practicing pulling a bow back. And that's functional. That's truly. But there's another side of that coin. It's called letting the arrow fly. Right? So then the next two rounds, we said, let's do a shorter range of motion and get into the lunge only like 50% and then fire back. So it's like, okay, let's focus on firing the arrow, firing the arrow, firing the arrow. So we're focused on just one, just the other, but reality is sport athleticism, all movement gardening is both at the same time. Well, not, well, it's one than the other, it's a sequencing of it all. But if we just train large ranges of motion, dynamically or statically, our body's gonna get good at large ranges of motion and then coming back under gradual tension or gradual effort versus training super choppy, short, minute ranges of motion, and have, but have that ability to fire and to move and to groove. And it was kind of a, an awakening for me, like learning about flexibility. It's like, oh, it's all about just going big. Just go big, big bigger the better. But if you, if you can't train it to come back home under the a needed response that you want, which is every response, right? Then who cares what, how flexible you are? I think it's one of the wildest things is that you can achieve flexibility in multiple ways. You can achieve it by sitting in a position for quite some time. 
you can achieve it by warming your body up. And now that you're warm, you can access more ranges. You can access it from um, load pulling you. You know, like something actually, you go into a squat body weight, now go throw submax load on your body and let it pull you deeper into a squat. Mm -hmm. And now you're achieving better range in your squat. There's a, there's a level to it. There's a threshold. You can't just like, oh, I'm going to dump 225 pounds and sink into my deepest squat. Like it's not going to... Right. You got to be able to get, get yourself back out right, of it. Right. You got PNF. Yeah. Like you activate a muscle, contract it, and then immediately as you relax it, you're going to have more range. Right. So to, to say that there's like a right way to gain flexibility is like saying that you don't want to hear the whole story. Like you just, you just want to get right to the end and have the flexibility. But depending on the person that you're coaching or even yourself, like what is it you want to achieve in that range of motion? Is it strictly as a party trick to say you can do the splits? Hey, it's function. Like, okay, do it. Mm -hmm. If that's what you want to do, just realize that if you go jump into a splits while you're dancing at a dance party, it's not going to be the same as you just go into the splits, <laughs> right? No. And there's some people that just force themselves into ranges of motion and they get completely obliterated because now they've like killed off some of those receptors that are saying, hey, you're breaching a threshold. You need to come back. Mm -hmm. And now when they want to go do a sprint, yeah, they have great hamstring mobility, but now they've pulled a hamstring. How do you pull a hamstring when you're that flexible? flexible? Well, because yeah. it's an active muscle that's now on and it's trying to lengthen. So, I, I mean, what, what, how would you like to see flexibility play out in like a fitness facility, a training facility? How would you like your athletes to stretch? If you like people are coming in, they've never seen uh, stuff going on like that. We're doing three dimensional movement with all these different funky movements that they're scared of doing. And somebody comes in and sees somebody stretching. Like, how would you prefer them to experience not only the person stretching, but how a, a community talks about mobility and flexibility? Yeah, well, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna, gonna question. I'm gonna, that's a great one, but I'm gonna tell you first of all where I failed, big time. Because I thought flexibility was this. It's still in the same, you know, this probably a good 10 years ago now. But it's like, okay, this person has lower back pain. They're super tight. You can see it in the walk. Let's jump in the true stretch. And let's start going. Let's put that hamstring up there. Let's go for it. And let's just start stretching. And the biggest error, to really cut through a lot of the story, the biggest error was that human body wasn't ready for stretching. It wasn't ready for isolated, meaning multi-point lockdown systems and really functionally, in terms of position, get after the hamstrings. Like putting it at a threshold. Yeah. Well, not at a threshold, putting it at a position of – because the true stretch, the second platform, is at a base set level. You can't change that level. So I made an assumption that that person's foot can go to that level, the hamstring go to that tension, and he could manage rotation and lateral motion. And he did. But guess what we didn't do? Is we didn't stabilize it when the session was done. And guess what happened to his lower back? It got extremely worse. And he's never been back since. So gained know. a lot more mobility. But had, gained a lot more flexibility. But had no ability to control it. So we, I use the term, the term that was taught to me is you have this naive range of motion. So it's like you get a base, you're, you're used to driving a Honda Civic. Nothing wrong against the Honda Civic. I owned one. And then you immediately get a Bugatti Veyron. And like, go for it, drive. 
and you're used to pressing the gas pedal on the Civic to go five miles an hour, you press the same level of gas pedal for Veyron, you're going 75, 85 miles an hour. Guess what? You crash. Yeah, you're going to hit some wobbles and right. you're out of control. Yeah, we call that naive ability to drive a car, right? So it's amazing. Learning that is that. So to me, to answer your question, movement. Let's go for a walk. Let's go for a walk. Let's just reach our hands up in the air one at a time as we go for a walk. I mean, if, if I'm talking base that's level, a, right? That's if, I'm a, talking, if I'm talking base level, right? Can you repeat that answer? Because I mean, that's a that's one either hit rewind or say that again. <laughs> so if I'm having base level, right? Super sketchy about movement. Let's go for a walk. Walking is flexibility, without a question. But then as you walk, reach one hand up in the air. So what are you going to do when you walk? You're going to hold a position, lateral flexion with a little bit of rotation, and the pelvis is going to be rotating underneath it. What's that going to start doing? Gently pulling on tissue, gently pulling on tissue, gently pulling on tissue. Then you do the opposite side. So you can de you can de stress you can deload yourself. The body has the ability for muscles to pull against gravity. It's really fascinating. That's what I would do, and then I would just hold the walking position and just start driving the pelvis, right? I'll start adding in other planes of motion as the body is comfortably positioned. That's the most important thing. Comfortably positioned mentally and physically. And I would, I mean, then the progression node goes on, but it's really like, let's do what they already are comfortable doing. And then you actually go into traditional techniques. Hmm. I've learned that lesson the wrong way too many times. Start with success is the, is, is the notion. Start with where they're comfortable is the second notion. And then understand that their tissue has a threshold. And if you break it, they're done for three to five days, if not longer. You got me um, onto something, yeah. uh, which like, motion is the lotion. Obviously, like we say right. that. It's like you move and you will lube up your body to move better. That's where it goes. So you want to go stretch, go warm it up, go stretch. I think where a lot of uh, methods on flexibility run into a lack of success is, yeah, you take all these joints through ranges of motion and active ranges of motion even, but you're isolating it in a non-functional position. Um, now, you could be sitting, you could be standing, you might be kneeling or whatever else, but what is it you're trying to do the joint? If is, it, is it just taking it through those motions or is it taking through the authentic triplane motions that are more reactive in life? Right? When you're out walking around, you're not really thinking about your best mobility. You're just out walking. But there's ways to facilitate better, better mobility through over time by utilizing global movements that continue to pull you away from this lockdown centered sphere and branch you out and expand you in front of you, above you, to the sides of you, and behind you, and rotationally from multiple positions. But you do that not through just stretching you do that through training in those ranges of motion right. you do a curl if it's always right up in front of you you're missing out on an opportunity to gain more mobility in your curl in your bicep in your shoulder in your wrist in your core and how to dynamically stabilize it that if you take that hand now to your side and it's now a lateral like a rotational curl you take it across your body well now your thoracic spine is being exposed to rotation lateral flexions and having to stabilize so you don't fall over at the same time, your shoulder joint now is exposing itself to rotation motions under load. That now you just did a few curls in front of you to the sides of you, and then maybe you did some presses not just above you, but to the sides overhead, rotationally overhead. You've now just improved your entire body's mobility, what we would call most stability, which is mobility and stability or strength through your ranges of motion. 
by training in those ranges of motion. Yeah, you want to warm them up and focus everything, but if you're spending 30 minutes every day trying to mobilize the tissues and gain flexibility, you're going to be spending a lot of extra time with less payout. Right. Where if you spend five, 10 minutes priming the tissues in triplanes and you spend the time to start to coordinate those things. And then in your workouts, you're focusing on working in different ranges of motion. Well, now it's not about touching your toes. It's about bending over to pick up your keys off the ground and not throwing your back out. It's about picking the milk jug up out of the car and putting it in the fridge without having to realize, without having your shoulder jam up. You know, there's so many things I think in the general population that we just write it off as part of life. Like you said in the very beginning about your back, it's like just how my body is. And it's easy to fall into that. And we all do, but we need to realize when we say it, what is it that we're actually saying? Oh, well, years of what my body's, I've been putting my body through has led me to this point. Is there anything that I can do for the next couple weeks or months or years that will help me gain more mobility, gain more flexibility? And most, more often than not, I think with where our culture is, it's like, oh, that's going to take too long. It's just we easily fall back yeah. into the excuse or it's not this worth is just it. how it is yeah. it's not worth it it's tough to say it's not worth it it's easy to say it's not worth it because you haven't put in the work to feel what it's like putting in that work and I think that's why accountability like flexibility is so much more than just having the ability to stretch you can give somebody a bunch of stretches to do are they going to do them? maybe but if they don't value what it is that you've given them your, your, your stretches might be the best in the world but if you poorly prescribe those stretches to somebody and they don't want to do them, that's your fault as a coach. It's also on them to like not do the work. Sure. But if you're making them do 30 minutes of mobility work when they could be getting a gain from just getting a couple reps throughout the day. When you get up from your chair, go do a hamstring front hip stretch. Right. It's boom, boom. You got to build a habit of it. It's tough. But I think we need to prescribe our flexibility programs or protocols on an individual basis. And make it more fun on a group basis. Like it's not just stretching to gain more, mobi- more mobility for health. It's having fun picking something up off the ground. It's taking, uh, skipping a stair when you're walking up a step. And be like, ah, I have the mobility to do those things. Like think about the things you do as a kid and don't think about it as a kid. You think about it now and you're like, wow, you see kids moving around. You're like, I would hurt myself doing that. It's not because you're older. It's because you haven't been doing what that kid's doing up until this point in your life. And there's still time to play. There's still time to discover more ranges of motion. There's still time to understand that you can be strong in an overhead press and not have your shoulder hurt. Right. If you work on your thoracic spine mobility, mm-hmm. right? So all these areas that we call- Even your pelvis mobility, tight, yeah. yeah. It's, it's a full spectrum, mm-hmm. right? If your ankle's stiff, mobilize your entire body. Do, do it in a global fashion, do it in a fun way. Yeah. Closing comment. If you're listening to this right now, you're stretching. Congratulations. I'm proud of you. CJ's really, really proud of you. <laughs> but you're stretching a position. And you're going to be really good at that position the more you stay in that stretch. More likely you're sitting. Great job. If you're stretching parts of your hamstrings, glutes, posterior spine, back of your shoulders being stretched. Nice, nice job. But remember, that's the only thing that's being stretched. The rest of it is being tightened. Here's to you and more stretching. 
Hey, y'all, I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, please share it with your fitness-obsessed friends and peers who are also navigating this world of fitness and trying to succeed through the trends and misinformation. As you guys can see, this podcast is basically a masterclass for trainers wanting to level up in their coaching skills and their fitness business model. Relaunches in 2020 because you and your fitness tribe deserve to see an unfiltered look at all the aspects of what it takes to stand out as a next generation coach and build a successful fitness business. So share it far and wide. And please, when you do, do me a favor, take a screenshot of this screen and share it to your social media accounts and use the hashtag Gymnazo Podcast. That's hashtag Gymnazo Podcast. That way we can see you and share your post with our audience. And finally, when you're ready to go to the next level as a coach or in your business and to reach more people, please go check out gymnazoedu.com. We have put together the best 90-day coaching program on the market for trainers wanting to become a masterful practitioner and build a business that gives them the freedom and impact. So let us help you do just that. We have online training and one-on-one coaching to guide you through a full 90-day certification. We even get you training our clients live because it's always better to work out your kinks on someone else's clients than yours. But we promise you this, your clients will be blown away by the transformation our program will help you make. You'll be masterful at a whole new level and part of an incredible community of coaches worldwide taking their skills to the next level. So if you thought today's episode had some fire to it, and inspired you to take action, wait until you see what we deliver on this program. So just go to gymnazoedu.com and we'll see you on the other side. Remember that turning your passion for fitness into transformation and sustainable business is critical to reaching the people and lives you were put on earth to help. It matters and truly can make an impact in other people's lives. So I hope you do that. Keep sharing your passion and we'll talk to you soon.